Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects1500.com. I'm your host, Alex Sanchez. Joining me this evening, David Gasper. David, how is it hanging over there in Milwaukee? Uh, it's it's going all right. We're trying to to get the bats moving, but you know it's it's going. Yeah, um, I will I will take this time to ask you why <laughs> Ronald Acuna is the MVP of the National League. Why is that, David? Well, uh, for starters, Christian Yelich has missed a month of the season. Uh, no, um, for I mean Acuna, I mean just. Look at what he's been doing so far when he's been healthy. Hitting 300, uh, nearly a 400 on-base percentage, uh, OPS over 1,000, 12 homers. Um, dude can just do it all. Um, just um, just keep him healthy, please. For the sake of the game, for the sake of everybody, let's keep him healthy and uh, get, get him back because uh, we didn't see that much of him this past weekend. But, I mean, when, when he's healthy, he's one of the – He's one of the best hitters in the National League. Um, he's currently leading it in home runs and slugging and OPS and runs scored. Uh, and if, you, if you're leading in those big categories, you give yourself a very good shot at winning the National League MVP. And, you know, the way he's been going, I'm sure he can continue leading, uh, being around the top in those categories. So he can really push his way up in the, the MVP race and he can win it. That's my slow clap for you. There you um, go. Well said, well said. For those of you wondering, I thought this was a prospects podcast. What the hell are you guys doing? Uh, of course, the Brewers and the Braves got together this weekend. They're two of our favorite teams. I'm a Braves fan. David, of course, the Brewers fan. And we had a little friendly wager here that the other would have to make a compelling case for one of the other players. The Braves did take two of three. The, uh, the bitter irony of this is that Acuna didn't play a single well, he, didn't, he had a that bat, but uh, yeah. didn't play at all during the series. And so it's like, well, okay. Great. Yeah, and, and if the Brewers had won the series, you would have had to make the argument about Corbin Burns winning the Cy Young. And Burns didn't pitch in that series yeah. either. Yeah, we, we didn't think that one through. But, hey, that's what, that's what we do here. We don't think very uh, far into the future. But it was a pretty good series. Both our teams kind of are not playing to the best of their ability right now. Uh, wild game on Sunday night, though. That was oh, kind my goodness. of fun. Um, that was stressful. I, we both have major complaints about our teams. Um, I don't know why we decided to pitch Josh Tomlin there after a seven run inning. We just like literally gave the game right back to you. That was very frustrating. And I'm sure the hitting woes without Yelich in that lineup, it's a really weak looking lineup. And what it's amazing yeah. how one guy can switch around a lineup to be like, you know, it's not too bad, but without him, I wasn't even concerned about anybody except maybe Omar, your catcher. Yeah. Dude, Omar has been good this year. Like he is, he has really turned things around offensively. He's hitting like 360. If he had a, if he had enough at bats uh, to qualify, he'd be the, he'd be in the, he'd be the leader for the batting title in the National League. Yeah, um, missed a couple we, weeks we with the one. with the hamstring, but yeah, he's been he's been great this year. Yeah, he was he was a, he was the only guy that I kind of felt nervous about, and then I hadn't actually seen Devin Williams pitch like live 
like that. I've seen highlights and stuff, but man, he, he's got some filthy stuff too. I don't know how. Oh my god, dude, the Airbender is magical. Yeah, very impressive. So uh, it was fun. We won't see you again for a little while. So uh, you know, forgive us if you have no interest in either of these two teams. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners that are like, we don't care about the Brewers or the Braves. Just stop talking. But we only get to play each other twice a year. So we give you a podcast every week. How often do we get to go against each other like this? So thought it was fun, but uh, good games, good games. And uh, I do hope Yelich is back. Acuna is back for us here on Monday night. So I think Yelich is pretty close behind. Have you heard anything about how he's doing in the minor league rehab? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's on rehab assignment down in Nashville. Um, and he played, you know, each of the three days over the weekend. And his back was reportedly doing good after each day. So um, on Monday here, um, they were going to, you know, check again, see how he woke up, see how he was feeling. Uh, and then kind of determine where to go from there. So uh, probably by the time this gets posted, we'll have uh, that actual information. Um, but, you know, if things go well with that and, and if he's feeling good um, after going through that weekend series, he could be back here as a Brewers take on Kansas City starting on Tuesday. Um, if not, they could give him a few more days down in AAA. But it's looking like it's going to be some point soon for Yelich. Yeah, Yelich is about the only guy that I – I've ever seen that comes off of the injured list for a day, goes two for four, and then goes right back on it. <laughs> yeah, like, that was very upsetting, back. man. Like, like we, like we had, you know, that one day it's like, oh man, Yelich and Kane are back. This is great. So much good news. We're finally over the hump. Then the next day, yeah, Yelich is back on the IL. It's like you've got to be yeah. kidding me, man. It's not like you, and it's not like you went especially over after, after the loss to the Phillies too. That deflating loss, and oh man. All right, we promise we won't talk about the Brewers or Braves anymore. Well, until we get to a little bit later in the show. But we have some minor league prospects <laughs> to touch on. But uh, welcome in, everybody. Now that we got that out of the way, we can really focus in on today's episode, which is going to be an interesting one in the fact that we're not going to talk as many prospects as we normally do on this show. We're actually going to take a look at a few that we've hand-selected. And they're just random. Like, you pick three, I pick three. Well, we kind of came together on one because we have to talk about Mr. Jared Kelnick, of course. We mm -hmm. will get to him. But we wanted to take a deep dive and just kind of, you know, three guys we really, really like and are looking forward to seeing this year and in the future and give you kind of a lowdown on them uh, as opposed to kind of going over these guys really, really quickly and not giving you a lot of in-depth information. I felt that this might be a a good way to go about that. So that's the agenda today. And then we will spend some time here on the news and notes, which I wanted to talk about somebody that we didn't mention in, in either of our three, although we probably easily could have. And that guy is Julio Rodriguez. He is off to an amazing start. I don't know if you listened back a few weeks ago when I was, I was by myself. I kind of said that, you know, Julio is going to just destroy high A ball. And that is exactly what he is doing. He's off to a 353. Um, batting average 441 on base, 784 slug with five home runs. Don't forget the three steals. This is only over 12 games. This guy is simply incredible, and I cannot wait to see him come up. I'm, you know, I'm gonna just say it. I'm more excited to see Julio Rodriguez than Jared Kelnick in the future. Oh, but that's just me. I, this guy can hit rockets. I know Kelnick does a little bit of everything a little bit better, but I'm so excited to see Julio this year. Um, as we didn't really get to see him last year. So any thoughts that you wanted to add there to uh, Mr. J-Rod? 
Yeah, I, I saw J-Rod in a spring training. I saw him and Kelnick. They're batting like sixth and seventh in the Mariners order one, you know, Arizona day. And both of them went yard. And it's like, you know, I think these guys are going to be pretty good uh, and hitting much higher than sixth and seventh in the batting order in the future. Um, yeah, there's you, there's so much to like there with, with J-Rod and Kelnick, both of them. Um and I, I can see your point there on, on being more excited for, for Rodriguez. I'm personally a little more excited for Kelnick, but I've also got a little uh, hometown bias there since he grew up five minutes away from me. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for both. Um, and the, the outfield that they are building in Seattle is insane. With those two guys, with Kyle Lewis, uh, you got, I mean, Taylor Trammell, who could be a fourth outfield. I mean, you got... So many guys there. Plus, they still have Mitch Hanniger. I mean, it's they got some dudes in that outfield. Absolutely. And as much crap as we talked on the Mariners at the beginning of the season for doing what they were doing, ultimately, I think we were just quite jealous about the fact that they're going to have these two guys and they're going to have them for the foreseeable future. And it looks like, you know, Jared hasn't got off to the, the hottest start, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. But, man, that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Let's talk about the other Mariners prospect that debuted. I was actually a little disappointed in the debut of Logan Gilbert. I was watching this game live because I felt something crazy might happen on, you know, um, the debut of these two studs. Nothing really did. But, you know, he threw a lot of fastballs, something in the 60% range of fastballs. And that's not really Logan Gilbert's game. His, his fastball is not great. It's not super special or anything like it's it is 95 96 and that's great for a starter, but it's flat and it got hit when it was in the middle of the plate. So I'm excited to see him as he learns how to pitch a little bit more because the depth of his arsenal is what's really appealing when he has, you know, four pitches that he can throw at any time. So what did you think about Gilbert's debut? Were you uh, excited? I, I just I came away a little disappointed personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I was excited for it uh, when I saw both him and Kelnick were coming up on the same day. Uh, so I thought that was going to be huge. And, you know, really, I think the the most exciting thing that uh, that happened that day was, was not even with uh, Kelnick or uh, Gilbert. It was the fact that Zach Plesak had a, had a no-no through like seven innings, I think mm-hmm. it was. Um, so he had, a, he had a long no-hit bid there that was uh, kind of exciting. But... Yeah, I mean, getting uh, Gilbert up there, and, and Gilbert didn't really um, pitch that well. Uh, you know, kind of disappointing, as you said. But, you know, it's one start. You know, some guys have terrible debuts. Some guys have great debuts. And sometimes the guys that have the bad debuts have great careers. And the guys with the good debuts have terrible careers. You know, it's baseball's just kind of that, that kind of game. But um, for... For Gilbert, I mean, yeah, four innings, four runs, um, you know, nothing really exciting. But he did not give up a walk. So you got that. That's a, that's at least some sort of a positive takeaway to take from there. Yeah, and like I was saying, I think he's a great hold for the future. I don't think this year we're going to see this jumping out of the gate and just a huge redraft type of guy that you want to just blow all your fab on or, or trade the farm for. But if you have him in Dynasty Leagues, you're excited. This is way ahead of schedule in my mind. I wouldn't have even really anticipated him until later in the year. 
Um, anyway, like when I drafted him, you know, a, a few years ago or even at the start of the season, you know, you never know with these pitchers. So to see him up already is a good sign. He just he has to learn and he's going to learn at the major league level. But bright future there for both Gilbert and the Mariners, if you're a Mariners fan. Uh, another guy that has come back from injury, and that's Jazz Chisholm. He is, of course, an electric, uh, off to an electric start. He had a great return. He went two for five with a stolen base, scored a run against those Dodgers. So Jazz is back. That's fun. I think the world's a little bit better place when Jazz is playing on a consistent basis. Uh, Trevor Larnick is, you know, figuring some things out. He's another guy that's up a little bit sooner than I would have anticipated. But uh, after a slow start, he had a couple of hits over the weekend. He's very, very fun to see. Um, and then a guy that I really like is Hunter Bishop. And unfortunately, he's going to be on the injured list. I don't have much information about why he's on the injured list. It was just kind of placed there. Um, hopefully it's not too big. He was off to a poor start. I think we mentioned him last week in some of the guys off to slow starts. So still hold out a lot of hope for Hunter Bishop. But um, anything to add to those three guys I just mentioned? That was Hunter Bishop, Jazz Chisholm, and Trevor Larnick. Yeah, I mean, it's um, Jazz Chisholm is a guy that, I mean, when I saw him uh, play, I mean, dude's just absolutely electric. The speed, I mean, he's running out infield singles on what should be routine ground outs. Um, so just really kind of a, you know, big stuff for him. Uh, great for the Marlins to get him back. And, um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do over the course of a full season. Uh, Larnick, I mean, I always kind of liked him. Um, and, and yeah, it's going to take a little bit of adjustment period there for, for him. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what, what was going on there with, uh, with Hunter Bishop with the, uh, IL placement, but, yeah, just three, I mean, really kind of uh, exciting prospects that you, you really just kind of want to see more of. Yeah, absolutely. One other piece of information. This is a guy that I actually was thinking about putting on our little list of three today. That's Brandon Marsh, outfielder for the Angels. He finally got added to the AAA affiliate on uh, on Thursday, which is interesting. You don't really, you know, not too surprising, but the fact that the season had already been underway and he was not assigned, people are kind of like, whoa, where is, where is Brandon Marsh? Something's wrong. Apparently he had a little shoulder injury, but is healthy now. And he's out to Salt Lake for, uh, for the angels. And he's a guy that uh, I think people forget about a little bit. He is a, a very good defender, meaning that he has a, a clearer path to the big leagues than somebody else that just mainly read, you know, might, only rely on their hit tool. I think he's going to be up pretty quick. I think the Angels could use some help. They're not off to a, a great start, as, again, as usual. So maybe he's somebody that can spark. Of course, they also have Joe Adele, who's having a pretty decent um, AAA campaign as we um, are getting a couple of weeks in here. But uh, Brandon Marshall, guy, don't forget about, you might be able to get him a little bit cheaper than the normal because uh, although that window is probably closing, so um, maybe you missed out. But if you can, maybe somebody hasn't, been quite paying attention. Um, Daniel Lynch sent down to AAA. RIP Lynch. That was it was not a good couple of uh, games for you. You gave up 14 runs over eight innings and three starts in the majors. Ugh. But I think you and I both agree that Daniel Lynch still bright future. You always worry though, like if this just triggers something in your mind. Um, so as a, like, let me ask you as a pitcher, right? You got you pitched at a pretty high level in terms of getting shelled against the team. You know, let's say you get shelled against the team, and what happens when you go back? You know, is, is it in the 
in your mind or are you just kind of writing it off, trying to get better? What do you do as a pitcher to kind of learn from this? Uh, I mean, you really just kind of try to put it behind you. Um, it, it, you know, it's a different game. It's a different day. Um, just try to put it past you. I mean, you, you learn what you can from it um, in terms of, you know, the mistakes you made and, and uh, take what you can. But, you know, the next time out, you, you can't be dwelling on it. You can't be dwelling on the on the previous game and how you did before. You just got to focus on on that game, on that inning, on, on that batter uh, that you're facing. So, you know, it's just a matter of trying to put it behind you. Some guys are able to do that more easily than others. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if that's what happened with with Lynch at all. You know, perhaps it was just uh, a little too early for him um, for his debut. Perhaps he needed a little more seasoning. Um, perhaps he just had a bad day. And, and being a rookie like that, when you have a bad day and you face some some big league competition, and that can uh, that can that can really end up uh, pretty bad for you pretty quickly. So. Yeah, you know, it's, that's just something that, that happens and yeah. you just got to put it behind you. And that's what I noticed with Logan Gilbert, right? He's a guy that triple A, double A, you throw that 96 and it goes, you know, four or five inches towards the middle. Guys foul it off straight back or they pull it, you know, and they you get away with it and you just don't get away with it nearly as often. You do at times, especially if you're throwing in that mid to high 90s, but you cannot consistently get away with it. And I think I was watching the Braves telecast Paul Beard was saying some good things like you're going to throw about a 80 to 100 pitches and essentially perfectly pitches uh perfect pitches that you will throw will be about I don't know 10 percent so you can expect maybe eight to ten perfect pitches that do exactly what you want and so that leads to be like well the other pitches they're going to go in in areas and do they go off the plate or they do they go to the center of the plate that's a big issue with young players and and when you're in the minors you can get away with it and then you're in the, in the majors you you need those pitches to kind of miss off the plate or low or inside or something like that so um one more piece of information here a little bit of a, a i was not happy to hear this news it kind of came out of nowhere i did not expect this that's corbin carroll out for the season season ending sh uh shoulder surgery that's really, really sad for me. Um, Corbin Carroll is a highly ranked prospect. I would probably have had him before this news in the 20s, if not higher. I just think he's a fantasy gold mine, similar to almost the C.J. Abrams, in which you're going to get speed, a huge hit tool. You're going to get a little bit of power is starting to come by. And we're talking like not just above average tools, but all those three tools I mentioned. Well, the first two, I should say, were elite and the power was going to be above average. So that's fantasy goodness right there. And we don't get to see him for at least a year. We probably won't see him again um, until at the earliest 2022 now, uh, assuming everything goes okay with the shoulder. That's always a little scary there. So um, RIP Corbin Carroll. Um, anything to add to him? It's a lot of RIPs. He didn't die. Like, no, jeez, no. dude. You're that's overreacting what, a little cool bit. Kids I think. Say. They say that on, like, the message boards and stuff. They just say it. You know, RIP. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to I stay mean, Yeah, I mean, there's there, there's a lot to be excited about there. I mean, with the, you know, I mean, 20-year-old left-handed hitter. And, yeah, I, I loved that dude going into the going into the draft in 2019. Um. And I think he's going to be I, like I'm. I'm with you. I think he's going to be a stud. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good hitter. And um, you know that Arizona, they're also a team that's kind of loaded with outfield prospects. They they got Christian Robinson. They got Carroll. They got 
a whole bunch of guys um, there to really kind of lead their their whole group. Alec Thomas as well. Um, so, yeah, Carroll, I think, is probably the best of those three. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, he's he's now delayed in his uh, development and his arrival time. But, you know, he's going to come back and he's still going to be a he's still going to be a good hitter. You know, that I, I'm, I've got no concerns about his hitting ability going away after this. Just a little reminder, right? If we were doing this podcast six or seven months ago and we were talking about the Mariners and maybe who can compete with them for the best outfield prospects, we would have said the Diamondbacks is one of our first choices with Christian Robinson, Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas. And all of a sudden, things change like that in just a matter of months, right? Corbin Carroll's out for the season. You never know with those shoulders as well. I mean, he's a position player, so you like that a little bit better than if you were a pitcher. And then, of course, we've had some issues with Christian Robinson, visa issues. He has some legal issues as well. And so, like, his star has really faded. Um, We haven't seen much of him or updates with him. So that's always a little scary. So some of you guys that that play the I'm going to trade the prospects as soon as I can for major league talent. Sometimes that strategy works out really, really well. Of course, you miss kind of the whole point of a fun dynasty team when you draft <laughs> them to come up for you. But that it just shows you, man, these none of these guys are for sure things as much as we want them to be. And things can change really, really quickly. So, um, all right, David, that's the news and notes for this week. Again, I wanted to kind of draw that out a little bit so we can uh, get to some players that we're not going to dive deep into, uh, which we are going to do that right after we get back from this little break. We are going to talk about three of our favorite players each and uh, see what the other ones thinks and give some analysis, scattering parts, all that good stuff. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we're back. Alex Sanchez here joining me as usual, David Gasper. Again, The agenda here is to kind of slow down the pace a little bit and discuss our favorite prospects um, at the moment. I mean, these aren't our favorite favorites. and We're not telling you that these are the number one through six prospects that you should go out and and acquire. But just three guys that I I feel like we haven't talked a lot on the show. I know we've mentioned a few of them before in passing. For instance, I know you've talked about Ashby a little bit. And I've talked about Michael Harris a little bit, but we want to go on a deeper dive and let you know kind of what we expect from these guys moving forward, how they're doing this year and all of that. And we agreed, you and I, David, that we should start out with Jared Kelnick. So Jared Kelnick, he is, of course, I don't know, where would you have him ranked right now on your top 100, do you think? Um, I, I think we can call him a consensus top five. Yeah, consensus top five. But that, I mean, that's important because, like, do you take Wit or do you take Kelnick right now? Oof. Well, I mean, that, I mean, Kelnick's ready right now, so you got that going in uh, in sure. his favor. Absolutely, but you have, you know, Wit's actually off to a slow start. It's not as interesting of a question. I think most people would probably take Kelnick unless you love middle infielders, which I do. <laughs> I think I would take Wit ahead of him, but. Yeah, I mean, top five guy. I mean, right now for me, if I'm looking at Kelnick, I probably have him, probably have him five. I probably have him five. Yeah. Franco, Franco ahead of him, Julio ahead of him, Witt ahead of him. Oh, Abrams too. Whoa, Abrams Kelnick. That's a tough one. But you like the ready right now, huh? I mean, it, it depends on on what we're 
what you're looking for in, in terms of who would I choose over what. That's um, true. That's a good point. So uh, Kelnick's the guy to round out your team, right? If you want a guy that's going to do everything, he's going to steal some bases. Is he going to steal 30? Probably not. Is he going to hit for 20 home runs? Yeah, probably. Anything more than that? Nah, not right away. Is he going to hit over 300? Ah, I don't know, but he's never going to do anything poorly for you. Um, and so I think that's the appeal of Kelnick. Some of the other guys that I'm putting ahead of him, like Julio, I just see Julio's like home run and RBI potential and even average potential just a lot higher than Jared did. But, I mean, it's hard to find these five-tool guys. I think he's a five-tool guy, right? Don't you think he's he's pretty much good in every category? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. He's off to a, a pretty poor start. <laughs> he did have the one – like, he's had one awesome game when he hit his home run, his debut. Or not his debut. I think it was the second day, right, when he hit the home run. Yeah. Um, hasn't walked yet. He is leading off, which I thought was interesting. What do you think of them leading him off? I mean, I think it's a great way to get him as many at-bats at as possible. Um, and if you like the – if you like the speed there, I mean, I, I feel like w with his contact ability and his ability to get on base, I think that's a good spot for him. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like I said, he did have the one good game. That was a three for four, two doubles to go along with the home run, three RBIs. But uh, the other games, not so much. 0 for 5, 0 for 5, 0 for 4 in the three prior games with, uh, with you know, he's got, what, uh, five strikeouts, four games. I mean, all of this is too, too little to to go about all we can really do right now is the eye test. And so it looks to me like he belongs. I think that batting, I almost feel like them batting him lead off is trying to make up stuff to him. Like, Hey, Jerry, don't be mad at us. We'll bat you number one. Um, I don't know if he's, you know, he might get moved down pretty, but again, who are you going to put ahead of him to lead off? You know, you yeah. put Dylan Moore there to lead off or Kyle Lewis or something. No, you don't have a lot of options. So what do you think? They need, they need to get Ichiro back. Yeah. Um, when we get going, when we get going, what do you think a prime Kelnick season is going to look like? That's that's my biggest question to you. Well, the, the comp I'm continually seeing for Jared Kelnick is Grady Sizemore. I, I've seen that in a number of places. And, you know, I, I think that's a I think that's a pretty good comp hit for a fairly high average, you know, may not win a may not win a batting title at all, but a uh, fairly high average can uh, have a pretty high on base percentage, uh, can slug pretty well, uh, get a bunch of stolen, get some stolen bases, a lot of extra base hits um, and, and just, you know, just getting on base, just just making his presence felt on the base paths and the in the top of the order and. You know, if Grady Sizemore could have stayed healthy uh, from 2009 onward, he could have really had a, a fantastic career. Um, so if you can get a continually healthy Grady Sizemore out of Jared Kelnick, you got yourself a really good player. And I think that'd be uh, something great for, for the Mariners to be able to have. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I like to do is take a look at just their best minor league season and assume that's kind of what they're capable of at the major league level with maybe like a 10% tax or something, if you will. So um, his he has a pretty full season. That was 2019 where he played 117 games with 440 at bat. So we're talking, you know, uh, 
definitely a little bit shorter than a regular season. He did hit he hit 23 home runs, stole 20 bases, got caught stealing seven times. To your point, got on base at a very nice 364 clip, hit 291. Um, so to me, if you're not hitting like 330 in the minors, right, you're probably not going to be, a, you know, an elite hit tool guy. I mean, that's just a general statement. Obviously, that's going to be wrong a lot of the times, too. But, you know, so to me, that's where he's at. He's going to be in the 280s, 290s. Certainly will play, especially when you talk about the on-base percentage to go along with that. And but don't get don't get 40, 40 hopes or anything like that. I think the best we'll see is maybe a 30, 20, because to me, getting caught seven times in the minors means you're going to get the, you know, not the full green light, but you're going to steal your share of bags for, for sure. So to me, it's like a 280, 30, 20 type of campaign, which is certainly great. And in fantasy, that's a guy that I don't know, late first round, probably. Yeah. In, if you're doing a redraft, that, but I just don't think that he's going to be that top 10 player ever. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. But again, it's hard to project those top 10 guys. Um, but I'm pretty, pretty sure that he's just going to be a solid stud for, you know, six, seven, eight years here. Yeah. Just, I mean, just well-rounded all around. I mean, five tool guy. And with the great defense, with, with the speed, stealing some bases and, you know, hitting a decent amount of home runs and uh, getting on base a lot. I mean, there's there's so much value there in that. I mean, he's not going to, like, overly dominate in any one certain category. But just with this combination of, across all, all the categories, all the stats, as combination of being above average in, in pretty much all of them, um, not only makes him a great, you know, in reality, in real life player, but a great fantasy player as well, because he can give you so much, um, can probably consistently, uh, in each category. And, and, you know, there's no like drafting guy and, and you know, you're punting on a certain category. You draft a power hitter, you know, you're punting on, on stolen bases or something, you know? Yeah. So, point. uh, you, you can get, you can get the stolen bases, you can get the home runs, the RBIs, the doubles, uh, the, the average and, and things like that. And you can get all of them with Kellenic. And then that's where, where really he provides his value. He's not going to dominate in one, but he'll be above average in pretty much all of them. So Wakeshwa West high school, is that where you went to high school? Waukesha. Waukesha. What? How is that Waukesha? You guys don't know how to pronounce anything. It's a Native American name. Oh. A lot oh. of the cities around here right, were, so. yeah, it's borrowed Waukesha. from a Waukesha. from native local Native American language. So yeah, that's how it's that, that's how it's pronounced, Waukesha. Is that where you went to school, or is that your rival? No, I, I'm uh, I'm the town over. Um, so they they actually weren't even in our con- they were in a different conference. Um, so Hello? I never. I never played against him, um, but uh, obviously being around here, I have heard of him and, and I've seen him a couple of times. Right. Did you see his first at bat? It was kind of funny. Um, yeah. When he hit the ball and you're like, oh, my God, that's a home run. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, no, it's a foul ball. And then you're like, oh, no, that's a sensational play to go into the stands and rob it. <laughs> Josh Naylor. That was yeah. incredible. That's how you want your career to get started yeah. with a web gem by Josh Naylor. Yeah. What a, I mean, but off the bat, it, it's, you know how you're watching TV. It looked like he just crushed it. <laughs> and then, you're like, oh, oh yeah. Oh no. Okay. Well, that's fine. No. Oh my God. What a, it was just a, a huge range. A, a whirlwind of emotions in yeah. the span of like three Maybe seconds. Maybe that's what his career will, will be, you know, who knows? 
Um, he does strike out a little bit at a, a rate that's a little concerning to me. I wanted to mention that as well. 111 times in 443 at bats. That is that's a for the minor leagues. That's a little high. That's about, that's about 25 percent ish. Yeah, for the minor but, league though, and my number one guy, number one prospect. It just it just it just I'm not as high as I think some people might be on him, but. It, again, you, what you're saying is the the correct answer. If you're hoping to get 50 home runs and 40 stolen bases and the next Mike Trout, this is not your guy. But if you want somebody that's going to contribute in every one of those categories, and let's be honest, this is a fantasy podcast. Strikeouts don't really matter for us so long as the other stats are there. But it's just one little red flag that I wanted to mention. I felt that you know on a deep dive, we would be amiss not to, to mention that. Jared Kelnick. All right, let's talk about one of your guys. Who do you want to start out with there? Um, I will start out with, um, I'm going to go with my top uh, 100 guy here. I want to start with Alec Manoa of Mm. the Blue Jays. So, so far in in 2021, so, I mean, coming into the season, Manoa only had six starts in in minor league baseball. He was a first-round pick, 2019. So he came in second half of 2019 season with six starts and short season ball with Vancouver had 17 innings, a 2.65 ERA, just five walks and 27 strikeouts. So overall, you know, pretty good debut, especially for a first round pick and, you know, things looking good for him. And then obviously he had 2020 last year and, and no minor league season. And this year he gets assigned to triple A to start things out. So the, the Blue Jays, I mean, we've kind of looked at it with some of their other prospects. They've been very aggressive with some of their assignments for their prospects. Austin Martin had an aggressive assignment, Jordan Groshans, uh, and Manoa here, an aggressive assignment. And he has responded extremely well, pretty much as well as can be expected, uh, starting in, in Buffalo and in, triple in A. Alec Manoa, through two starts, has gone 12 innings, has given up just three hits, two walks, has 17 strikeouts, and has not given up a run. Has a pristine 0.00 ERA, a .081 batting average against. Uh, he is just dominating through his first two starts. And Manoa, I I love his, I mean, his build, 6'6", 260. Um, his stuff... I mean, he's going to be uh, a starter uh, going forward. I mean, they, I, I don't think there's any sort of reliever risk at all with him as opposed to, you know, the other big arm in that uh, Blue Jay system, Nate Pearson. I think there's some reliever risk with him. Uh, but Manoa, uh, for him, I, I think he's a, a surefire starter. And I love his competitive com- competitiveness, man. His, his energy uh, and, and his makeup. I think it's just going to going to push him to be an even better better pitcher, better player. Um, I mean, we could talk, you know, the pitches, the control, and whatever all you want, but you know that that competitiveness, that makeup, is what can really make or break a player. You know, he checks a lot of boxes. Which, looking back on it now, you wonder like how we weren't higher on this guy in 2019 when he was drafted he's the 11th overall pick of that draft in the first round he's 6 foot 6 260 pounds he's an advanced age he's 23 right now college arm 
had a good 2019 debut as well. Struck out 17 batters and uh, 27 batters in 17 innings. Like this guy was checking all of the boxes, and it, it just sort of took a while for us to realize it. But I don't think the Blue Jays needed much convincing. They, like you said, with the aggressive assignment, showed their confidence in him with his ability to respond to that. It's very, very exciting. And as you mentioned, the bullpen risk is pretty low because of that size. 6'6", 260. You can throw this guy out there. He reminds me of like a right-handed CC Sabathia where he's just going to mm. be fiery on the mound. He's going to come at you. He has high 90s heat. Um, kind of a fun story that I was uh, able to come across while looking the, the guys up after you told me who you're going to pick was that during the pandemic, he actually set up a gym with his brother in Miami. And all he did was work on strength and conditioning with a couple of like bullpens on the side. So this is a guy that was already 6'6", 260, went and just got yoked when the pandemic happened, then went to the alternate site and learned how to pitch and learned how to throw a change up. And then why are we surprised that he's come out and just completely dominated in AAA to start as a 23-year-old? Who cares about experience? He doesn't have a lot of it, but... It doesn't matter if you have that type of arsenal and you're throwing strikes and you're that big and you're a first round pick and you're come from a big conference in the college. Like, what is there not to like about this guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only thing is is the experience. And, you know, as, as you kind of said, with the way he's been performing, you know, it doesn't really matter as much. I mean, yeah, he's got he's got 29 innings of professional experience. Uh, he's made eight starts as a pro. And overall, a 1.55 ERA. Ridiculous. So, yeah, insane. And, I mean, just the two walks this year. So, I mean, having that sort of control as well. I mean, when you get up to AAA, you get a lot more guys taking pitches and, and being able to work at bat. You don't see that as much in the lower levels. Guys are trying to attack a little bit more. They don't exactly have the plate discipline, discipline down in the lower levels. But they do in AAA. And he's still keeping those walks to... Uh, to a minimum. So the fact that he's able to do that and he's able to avoid bats, uh, avoid barrels, uh, just three hits allowed in 12 innings and with 17 strikeouts, I mean, there is just, like you said, checks all the boxes, so much to like. He's got the three-pitch mix, and yeah, he worked on that changeup, and he's got that. I feel like nearly every pitcher worked on a changeup during, like when they're at the alternate training site because Every pitcher always does. And now they actually had like, you know, the, the long-term, you know, capability to, to work on that without any sort of, you know, season to have to give it up for. So, yeah, the fact that, I mean, he made those improvements and now he's got three pitches uh, plus that control. And God, there is just so much to like there. And, you know, there there is just such a high ceiling. And I think, like I said, his, his makeup and, and his competitiveness I mean, starting his own gym, you, who does that? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, going to some other gym, like, yeah, I get that. But he started his own. I mean, that's... They had to, right? In the pandemic. That's why he did yeah. it. Beautiful. Um, the other thing I think, I mean, I'm I, the more I look, the more great things I find. Let's not forget the Blue Jays depth chart in the major leagues. Of course, you have Hun, Jen Ryu, Robbie Ray. But after that, you got Steven Matz, Ross Stripling, Anthony Kay. Um, you you got room for him to jump in there if plenty they feel of he's ready. Season. Yeah, this that's my point is this season is it's ready to go. So the only issue now is you're probably not going to get him for any sort of discount, right? You're not getting yeah. you're going to pay up if anything for this guy. The question is is it worth it? So um, 
let me come let me let me ask you a few few questions here so if i'm coming at you um you got alec manoa and i come at you with Mackenzie gore what do you do oh man that is tough (laughs) because i mean gore has that ceiling he's got that potential but at the same time you look at that rotation in san diego and it's going to be tough for him to for him to crack it with, with the guys that they got. I mean, they they brought in uh, Darvish and Musgrove, and, and they got Paddock in there, and they got Clevenger coming back when when he's healthy, and they added so much to that rotation. It, it's going to be tough for him to to crack the the top five at least right now. Um, in, in the future, I mean, he'll he'll be able to to make his way in there, I think. But man. The the promise of Mackenzie Gore is is kind of tough. I need to, an answer to give up. I need on. an answer. What do you say? Um, I, I think I'd take Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, I would too. I would still take Gore ahead of him. And I, this is coming from the guy who wrote an article that was kind of downplaying <laughs> Mackenzie Gore. I still think he is incredibly talented. And again, just for everybody out there, I don't have any insider information. I wasn't saying he was hurt. I just said, it's very strange what's going on there in San Diego. That was the point of my article. <laughs> a couple of people were like, you're saying he's injured. You don't know what you're talking about. Bro, it's just, I'm guessing, man. It's relaxed. Anyway, um, but yeah, I think Gore still ahead of Manoa. What if I offer you, so you have Manoa and mm-hmm. I'm going to come at you with, um, let's go with Sixto Sanchez. Ooh, I think I'm taking Manoa. I mean, there's some injury concern there with Sixto. Um, I'm not even sure. What's his timeline? Is that next month, I think, he could come back? Yeah, I'm not too worried about what they're doing to him this year just because I think they're going to limit his innings and they just want him later on the year. The concern with him is that when you take a look at Manoa and you take a look at Sixto, Sixto is six foot. 230. I didn't know he was that big. My God. Okay. So I guess I I was just going to kind of go into the idea that maybe yeah, six is kind of he's more smaller. Like three risk. Yeah. But 234 for six foot is not that much smaller. <laughs> like that's a big dude too. He's just not six foot six, you know, but still a little bit yeah. slender. Not, I can't even say slender. He's only like 30 pounds less. That's crazy. Would you have guessed that Sixto was only 30 pounds less than the Noah? No. Are we sure that that's, a, that's the right number? Did, did you put on some pandemic weight? Is... <laughs> Let me look at a secondary source. Really quick. Um, I do have another guy for you. Uh, what if we go with Tristan Cassis and I say, okay, forget the pitcher for pitcher. What if I give you Tristan Cassis? Ooh. For Manoa. Um, I think I might still take Manoa. Okay. So you have Manoa around the 25 to 30 range of top prospects. Just FYI. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. Like I'm, I'm looking at him, and obviously, with, with what I've seen so far, I'm, I'm pretty high on him. Um, I, I, this I is just him. kind of like a, an instant reaction. Yeah. Of course, um, of course. Uh, I have him just slightly higher. I think when I'm looking over some of these prospects, I'd have him more in maybe the high, low, low 30s. I think like the Drew Waters range, Matt Manning range. Like I'm having him around there. I think. I think yeah, still I mean, and, and I mean, like with the uh, like with Manoa and like Cassius, I mean, with, with like the power hitters um, and with a guy like that, I mean, they're like a guy like Cassius is, is kind of going to be a little bit more like boomer bust. I, I feel like mm-hmm. um, whereas Manoa, I feel like might be a little bit more consistent. Yeah. And you like pictures, too. That's uh, kind of where you're heading in your, yeah. diet, you know, life is you, you kind of 
are more apt to get those pitchers, whereas I'm more apt to get the the hitters, which is totally fine. Like there's no right or wrong way, but um, and I did verify he is 234 pounds according to MILB. So that's a, wow. I didn't know six step was that big. Makes me feel like I could put on some weight here too. I'll be be all right. <laughs> Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on. We might not even hit all six of our guys. They were, I, I like what we're doing though, just these, this deep dive. So maybe we'll have a to be continued. Um, but I'm going with my next guy. It is a Giants outfielder, and no, it is not Hunter Bishop. This is a guy that I think if you're not fully invested into the prospect world, you might not know a lot about. His name is Luis Matos. He is an outfielder for the San Francisco Giants, as I mentioned. He is, um, to me, he reminds me a lot of Hedbert Perez, to, to be honest. Oh, you got that, is, that is high praise. You, he, you know well, that, right? Okay, I would actually take Matos ahead of Hedbert Perez if I, you were offering him to me. So oh. you uh, you love Hedbert, and I get that for sure. I but do. But the guy that's not attached to Hedbert the way you are, this is kind of, <laughs> I think, where the, the majority of people are, is that that's how high Luis Matos is for some people. And we got, you know, six foot, 186 pounds. He is going to hit, you know, he's got power. He's got the above average arm. He's got above average speed. We're talking that five tool potential. Um, he bats right handed. Um, so, you know, I can't really I don't want to make like that Kelnick comp as well. But um, that's why I like the, you know, the, the five tools, though, are there. And uh, he's off to a, a very, very good start to begin this year. And this is really why I wanted to talk about him because I was high on him. And I would have, you know, had him in in my 30s or in, in my 40s to begin. But after the start he's off to, which is 383 average, 392 on base, two home runs uh, as a 19-year-old for uh, low A or uh, yeah, low A San Jose. So I actually can go see him here um, some of these days in Lake Elson. I'll try to, to get that out. But this guy is incredible. And to be honest, I don't know of many top, and to me he is, a top 50, top 40 prospects that you can get for um, a little bit of a discount because there are people out there who may not know about it. The only problem is if, you know, if you got Matos, you probably knew who he was on your dynasty team. But to me, people maybe still view him in that 70, 80 range, but he is much higher than that. And this year he is proving it. And if he keeps this up, you're going to have top 15, top 20 after some graduations by the end of the season. So Luis Matos, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I mean, looking at his numbers, I mean, you're you're absolutely right to be to be high on him, and you know, probably higher than Hedbert because Hedbert doesn't have stats yet, um, so yeah. he's at least a little bit uh he he's ahead of the curve a little bit because he has got a couple years now in the in the minors, but yeah, I mean, the the offensive stats there and what he did in 2019 too when Incredible. he was in a in rookie ball in the in the DSL and. Um, I mean, he had 367 there across two levels of rookie ball with uh, seven homers, 25 doubles in 60 games. As a 17-year-old. Yeah, as a 17-year-old, 21 stolen bases. I mean, that's just, that's nuts. This guy Uh, is incredible. Yeah, and I mean, I'm surprised that he's not, uh, um, you know, higher on some people's list. I mean, yeah, he's 19 years old right now, so he's still kind of got a ways to go uh, before he's, he's, pushing for a call up to the big leagues, but I mean, just an advanced hitter uh, for at such a young age, um, those kind of bat to ball skills. I mean, that's, that's just something you really love to see and, and something that 
I don't even really think you can teach. I mean, he's just kind of got that natural ability. Yeah, exactly. And then that, like you touching on there, the on base percentage at a young age, 438 in 2019. It's at uh, 392 right now at a very advanced level. Like you don't see 19 year olds in in low A much, especially with the new way that the minors is, is organized. So this it just the patience is there. Um, the strikeouts, again, a little high. Even uh, in 2019, they were high. But again, you know, we're talking teenager type of stuff. And teenagers that do this at this level become Bryce Harper. They become Julio Rodriguez, right? They just have this fast track to the majors. So this is one of the reasons why I'm a few weeks ago, we talked about the Giants as one of my favorite systems. This was a big reason why. And of course, Hunter Bishop and Helio Ramos have something to do with it as well. But this guy might be the best prospect that's not named Marco Luciano you know if you don't even forget to mention him but like that he might be the second best one in fact I probably would have him ahead of Hunter Bishop now for sure and I love Hunter Bishop <laughs> yeah and I mean especially with this kind of a strong start to to the season I mean really kind of pushing himself up there and yeah and, and I mean the Giants themselves are kind of a surprising team um at the big league level right now and uh yeah matos i mean i i didn't really know like as much about him till i mean you sent me that thing today it's like oh yeah this is a guy i want to talk about then i'm looking into him it's like this dude is this dude is good yeah um so yeah it's just um it's not and apparently he's cousins with uh luis alexander basabe and oselvis basabe yeah yeah Interesting. I didn't know that, actually. So fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And also, I saw when I was looking at uh, Ronald Acuna's uh, baseball reference page, he's he's uh, cousins with Alcides Escobar. Who is Acuna is? or Matt Yeah, Acuna is. is. Oh, interesting. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fraternity, right? Yeah, the, the Venezuelan baseball community. Yeah. So I'm looking at, you know, my top prospect list here and, you know, this is the guy that you go out and get with somebody like Christian Pache, um, you know, that, you know, just go to that guy and offer him to him because, you know, honestly in CBS leagues for the longest time, we had to create a player to fill in for him because he wasn't even in the system yet. So they finally added him like, I don't know, four or five months ago. So this, you know, people know he's good, but I don't know if people know he is this good or at least potentially this good. So like Nolan Gorman, right? A guy, almost everybody that's even semi-interested into prospects, they're going to like, right? 21-year-old power hitter. But he's a guy that I would send over in a heartbeat for a Luis Matos. And um, you just got to check. You just got to check. You'll never know until you send out those offers. But he's a guy that I would, I would just go out and get everywhere you can. You might not even have to wait that long anymore if he continues on. But, um, yeah, that's Luis Matos, outfielder, San Francisco Giants. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's try to do one more each. I think that's going to be where we stop today, to be honest, and then we'll do it to be continued. So you have to pick, and I wonder who you're going to pick. But uh, <laughs> go ahead and mention the two that you were thinking about and then pick the one you want to talk about right now. All right. Well, the, the two I was between were Gavin Sheets of the White Sox and Aaron Ashby, naturally, of the Brewers. Um, so, in looking at it, this is going to come as a shock to you. <laughs> but I'm going to choose 
Gavin Sheets. Gavin Sheets. Okay. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> we, we have talked about Aaron Ashby. If you recall, he was in our uh, three risers in spring training when we were looking over the stats. So I think that's only fair for Mr. Sheets. So what do you got for us with uh, Gavin Sheets? So Gavin Sheets, um, you know, he kind of finds himself a little bit far down on the first base depth chart there in Chicago. Um, but I mean, he's a guy that he's starting off pretty strong uh, here in Triple A uh, for for the White Sox, hitting 367 uh, with a 415 on base percentage, 633 slugging uh, through 12 games, 18 hits, three homers, um, 13 RBIs. He's just really been productive uh, down there in Triple A, um, playing pretty much every single day. Uh, he's been a productive hitter, really, for the most part, throughout his entire minor league career. Um, and, you know, really, I think the question for for Sheets is, what is his future role, and is it with the White Sox? Because, you know, he could be, um, you know, a platoon type guy, and I, I don't think he find, I don't think he has a path to a long term everyday role as long as he's in the White Sox organization. I, I think um, if he gets a chance to go to a different organization, uh, he could be someone that, that could play every single day and, and could be a really solid uh, contributor offensively. Um, and it's just going to be, you know, him trying to figure out where he fits best. And, and if Chicago feels like um, he, he's someone that, that should be in their plans for the future because you got Andrew Vaughn that's already jumped ahead of him. You got Jose Abreu under contract. Uh, you got Yermin Mercedes taking up the DH role now with how well he's been hitting. Um, so really finding playing time for a first base DH only type guy because Sheets doesn't really have much for speed. Um, I don't really think he's going to be able to play too much. of. The, I mean, he could be decent maybe in the outfield but you know he's he he would really kind of be a liability on defense in the outfield so where, where do you fit him best and it's probably first base or dh and those roles are pretty much taken up in chicago you know what's interesting about sheets is he's a guy that gets drafted 2017 second round pretty high draft capital there and out of college college hitter, comes out Mm -hmm. in 2017 as a nice debut. But then the 2018, I think people were really, really high, knowing the power was there. And he came out and hit six home runs in 119 games in 2018. And I think at that moment, people just like forgot about Gavin Sheets, Um, except for our boy, Dan Victor. Uh, Remember we had Dan on. He was very high on Gavin Sheets, but kind of saying the same thing you're saying. Where is his path to the big leagues? He got two really, really big roadblocks, and I don't know he can if he can play the outfield at six foot five, two hundred thirty five, uh, two hundred thirty pounds. Not a lot of experience in the minors at uh, anything other than and not a lot of speed either. No, no, not a lot of speed to speak of. Um, but I think that's what I'm mentioning here in 2018. Uh, he comes back in 2019, hits 16 home runs in 126 games in Double A with a little bit lower of an average, um, and then 2020. We kind of forget all about Gavin Sheets. And now he's 25. He's in an organization that doesn't have any openings for him. But like you said, and I'm so glad you brought him up, if he gets dealt, which to me, the White Sox are going to be one of those teams that's going to be active. They need some help. They've had some injuries. You know, they they can use some help 
all over in, in terms of the bullpen, maybe even a, a starter or two, somebody to fill Eloy. Like they have a lot of space. Eloy and Robert. Yeah, and Robert now too. So uh, maybe you trade him and you trade somebody else lower on. I mean, they don't have a lot of guys that they could trade in the in the, in the minors. <laughs> they kind of have like all their guys are up, <laughs> yeah. you know. But if they do, and he goes to a team that just lets him play, imagine if he went to Colorado, man. Wouldn't yeah. that be something? Imagine Those if he went to Milwaukee. They could use a first baseman. <laughs> yeah, they could. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, he takes off. So he he's not going to cost you much. Um, he might cost you a little bit more because of this hot start, like you said, three home runs. And he's in AAA now, so he's doing it. Like I mean, there's nothing left for him to prove, essentially, if he keeps this up for another month or two. And then he gets called up. He's going to like, like Sam Hilliard. Remember Sam Hilliard just like came up and was good all of a sudden mm-hmm. uh, after showing that he was ready, even that he was like 25, 26 as well. when he came up, he reminds me a lot like that. He's just going to come up and hit, although, you know, Sam Hilliard hasn't quite <laughs> continued <laughs> to hit. That's perhaps a bad omen for Gavin going forward. But if he can move to another place, he might be a, a, a stud. So let me ask you then, you know, if I'm coming to you, and you have Gavin Sheets. I just want to know how high you are on Gavin Sheets right now. Okay. No Do you think he's in your top 200? Um, if he's able to get dealt uh, someplace sure. else, yeah. Let's assume. Let's assume that he's gonna. I mean, if you hit, you're gonna find playing time. I mean, the White yeah. Sox will find a spot for you, or you'll get traded. Like that's just. Let's just ignore that part of it for now. And in terms of like. He's going to play, you know, half of the season this year and next year he's going to have a full-time gig. You don't know yeah. where that is, but he, it's just going to happen. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. Would you, uh, if I came at you with, I'm going to go pretty high here at first. If I come at you with uh, Clark Schmidt. Hmm. I, th- I think I'd probably go Schmidt. Yeah, that's a little too high. What if I go with... Um, Keani Cavaco from Minnesota. Ooh, I'd probably, I'd probably still take Cavaco. Me too, me too. What if I go with uh, Brandon Shoemake, shortstop, Atlanta? Mm. I'm not really that high on Shoemake, you know? Me either, but I would still take him ahead of Sheets. Yeah. I mean, you, it's a positional value there. Yeah, I mean, that, that middle infield's tough. Um, what about if I go with Colton Welker? Colorado, another similar type of player. Um, I might take Sheets over Walker. Yeah, I think that's where we're at. Sheets. Yeah. What about um, Owen Miller, Cleveland? Mm, I'd, I'd probably take Sheets over him. Yeah. So you're in about the 170 range, 170, 160 range. Yeah. That sounds about right right now. I think he's earned that to go up, and I don't think you'll have to pay that. I think you could probably throw somebody, you know, like an, an aging major leaguer, you know, to a rebuilding team or to a team that's going for it and you can get it, get him, you know, if you had like, I don't know, Michael Taylor and you go to a guy that had an outfielder injury and you just say, Hey, give me Gavin sheets for Michael Taylor. I mean, that's not crazy to think of. Yeah. And it, you know, the potential there is uh, just a little bit higher than your average, like 170 prospect. Cause he's so close to the big leagues, right? That's yeah. Like he's right there. Yeah, all he really kind of needs is an opportunity, and and he'll get a he'd get a call up. But yeah, 
And it might be too early to, to think about rebuilding in your dynasty leagues. But if you are that team and, you know, you have a couple of aging guys, they might be somebody or to throw into a deal. Right. You have a you're going for somebody else and maybe, you know, you're, you're dealing a Zach Grinke for somebody and you just want it to be a little bit even. And you ask for sheets as a throw in. And if somebody wants to get a deal done, he's a perfect throw in candidate. So keep in mind. Um, OK, let's go ahead and talk about my last guy here, because. Um, I want to, and he's the one of my favorite prospects. And I told you early on in the um, when we made bold predictions that he's going to be a top 40 prospect. And to be honest, um, after graduations, he's pretty much already there for me. And that is Michael Harris, the outfielder for the Atlanta Braves. This is where I have to check my bias a little bit. My he's my Hedbert Perez, if you will. <laughs> um, and I only I brought him up because I was very very high on him. Of course, as a Braves fan, I mean, this is the way it goes. But I'm also realistic when it comes to my team. I feel like I, I know who's bad. Like, I'll tell you, Josh Tomlin is bad. And, you know, I'll tell you these <laughs> oh, guys. Uh, that, that's a bold take right there. Right. No, but I'll even tell you, like, Dansby right now is is awful. And Oh, um, yeah. You know, I don't, he's I, making so I, defensive errors, yeah, too, out there. He's making me angry. Um, But that hair still is 80 grade. But, it, um, is, it is glorious. It is glorious. Um. He needs Culberson back so they can be twinsies. Um, anyway, Michael Harris, 20-year-old outfielder, and I brought him up because I I was a little nervous that he wouldn't get off to a good start because as a Braves fan, I've seen so many like of our top, not top, top guys. Like usually our top, top guys are Freemans, our Haywards, and our, you know, Macunas. They dominate, and then it's the guys just below that. And I wasn't sure if he was one of those guys as it was going to struggle initially, but he has come out and last um, Sunday on Sunday, he had a four for four performance, solo home run, stolen base, slashing 333 in um, high A as a 20 year old. And this is after a spring training where he looked like he belonged. People are calling him left handed Acuna, which is ridiculous, obviously. But um, he kind of plays like that. He's very um, high motor. He has great wheels, not super wheels. I mean, I'm not talking 80 grade speed here, but he's a guy that could easily steal 30 bags. I think when he, in, in, perhaps in his best season, because he is aggressive and he's smart. Like he's just a really smart hitter and a smart baseball player to go along with some of those really juiced up tools. He's got power. He knows what he's doing at the plate. The strikeouts haven't been too much of an issue. Again, a guy, the book's probably out on him, most dynasty leagues, to be honest, because of the spring and because of his hot start. But do people have him top 40, top 50, like I personally do? Probably not. Like you might be able to get him. The Again, this is the issue I run into with Michael Harris. In any league where I could have got him, I have him. <laughs> and any league where I don't have him, he's on the Braves fan in the league, you know? So it's like, oddly attached to this guy. So if you can find somebody that has Michael Harris and is not a Braves fan, you're going to get him to me at a discount. So, all right. Am I too crazy on Harris? I mean, I, I don't think necessarily you're, you're too crazy. I mean, he, he's only got 64 games of, of MLB experience, but I have been more hyped on guys with less, uh, see Hedbert Perez, um, but I mean, he's looked, he's looked good. You know, he's, he's got the, the power showing up already. I mean, he had two home runs in a uh, 2019 and 53 games. And already this year, he's got two home runs in just 11 games. So 
That yeah, power seems to be showing up pretty right well. There. I'm going to let you what? keep talking, but I'm going to forget this point if I don't mention it now. So I think that's where the divide comes a little bit is that we didn't know we had that power, but in the alternate site is where that power started to show up and people thought he had developed it like a Tyler Freeman type of thing where, okay, the power is showing up at the alternate side, but you're not going to see it in the stats anymore. So that I just wanted to interrupt you there and show you that that's the power. That was the last step to the, to the glory, if you will. So sorry about yeah, that. And, and a lot of those like, uh, you know, improvements that were made at alternate training sites, we never really got a chance to see like there were, you know, the reports from the beat writers and, you know, what, whatever the farm directors were telling us, like, oh, yeah, these guys did this at the alternate training site. No one could see for themselves. There were no numbers to back up whatever was was going on down there. So we're, we just kind of have to take the farm directors at their word and kind of read between the lines a little bit of what they're saying, because obviously they're going to have some sort of, um, you know, nuance to it because they don't want to, you know, if, if any guy did poorly, they're not going to they're not going to really talk much about that. So. But yeah, like they, they're going to, you know, now we can finally see all these improvements that were made at the alternate training site play out over an actual season. So, yeah. um, and, and that's where, you know, as you mentioned here, the power with uh, Michael Harris is going to be starting to show up. That, that kind of developed there over the last year. And now he's moving up to high A and we can see how that will play out over the course of the season. Does this make him you know, more of a 20 home run type guy. Does this make him a 25, a 30, 35 home run type guy? I don't know if he'll get to 35 or anything, but, you know, like how high can that uh, power ceiling go? And that's where we're, we're really going to get a pretty good litmus test litmus test of that this year. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. I You heard the power was there. You saw it a little bit in spring training and then to come out of the gate and, and hit those two home runs and have that, you know, the OPS at 886. So, I mean, it's not outrageous, but man, for 20 years old, a lot to like. A couple other random things that just make you like him if you're a Braves fan. Um, he's from Georgia, so we really have had good luck as a Braves organization developing Georgia guys that come up and make it. So that's something going for his favor. And of course, you and I love the second generation players. He is Michael Harris the second. so... Mm. I always like to see that, although I don't remember a Michael Harris big leaguer, <laughs> but still, he probably played at some point. Um, so Michael Harris, 20. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just to recap our guys here, I think Michael Harris, to me, again, I'm probably a little bit higher on him, but I would treat him as a top 40 guy. I think uh, Alex Manoa, your guy. Uh, I think we've both kind of come to the consensus. He's a, already in about the top 20 25 level of a prospect which is kind of shocking if you were a year ago to say that i think people would have been pretty surprised um luis matos another guy we discussed uh to me again in a top 30 top 40 guy and uh, of course jared kelnick which uh we have as top five I, you know so these are some really high-end prospects can't forget gavin sheets too i, sh I shouldn't forget he he's the guy yeah. that didn't quite fit the consensus top, top 200 guy yeah. <laughs> exactly you know, but uh, so anyway, this is good. I think that uh, there's something here for guys. Uh, one of these guys is probably available in some capacity in your dynasty league. Go out, do some research, see what you might be able to get for them. 
Um, and, you know, you're not going to get these Wander Francos of the world and these Jared Kelnicks of the world without spending a little bit early. So, yeah, you might be overspending now, technically, but it might look like a steal two or three years from now. Um, if you have an Acuna, if you have a Soto just sitting on your roster, and then you're the envy of the league. And that's, you know, that's what we want. <laughs> we want to be the envy of the league. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez. You can catch David at uh, dgasper24. Follow us there. We have uh, Prospects 1500, of course, the site that sponsors this podcast for everybody. Check it out as well. Articles are coming up daily. Really good uh, segment they've been doing is Prospects of the Day. So follow them on Twitter to get our three, two, and one star Prospects of the Day. Really fun. And we've been doing Prospects of the Week. So something there. You'll learn new people. Um, I think just by you and I discussing, David, we kind of learned a little bit more about some of the other guys that uh, you and I both like. So that's interesting for us. So um, anything else to add before we sign off today? Um, I mean, not really. Just let's cont- I'm just so glad that we got, you know, baseball games and minor league baseball games back. And um, I'm, I'm hoping to catch a, a Timber Rattlers game uh, some point soon. But I need, I need Garrett Mitchell back healthy before I do. Absolutely. And he maybe is a guy that we could talk about in a deep dive in the future because I'm sure I would love to. You have him in uh, in the 30 or 40 range, I'd imagine, Um, which by the time we talk, I might have him there, too. Who knows? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Again, check out the site Prospects 59. This is the Futures Focus podcast. I'm Alex Sanchez, David Gasper signing out. See you next week. 